Patty, we just want to thank you for being willing to come up and read the scripture reading for today's, excuse me, uh, today's uh, message. Uh, and an excellent job at that. I want to just announce that we have our new quarterly lessons. There's some out front, and there are some in the sign box out back. We're going to study Hebrew. Hebrew is one of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible. A couple of them. Uh, the, the other thing is, Meyer, thank you for putting together that Christmas get-together. That was just awesome where we came together, and I don't even know who won that ugly sweater uh, contest or if you even had it because it was like 80 degrees. So I probably wouldn't have one. I might have brought one because I have a bunch of ugly ones. Uh, you know, I was asked about 24 hours ago to speak today. And I always, when I prepare to speak, I usually it takes me a little bit of time and I really want to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to bring? You know, anybody can come up and speak. But, Lord, what do you want me to bring? What would you have me to deliver? Uh, through your words. And Born to Die is the title today. But before we get there, I want, us, I want to recognize uh, the people that are online. Uh, we have them from Thailand. My brother is joining us today. I have my little brother from Provincetown, Massachusetts, and I have family from all over and others that are joining us online. Uh, I want to welcome you. You are very dear to my heart. Uh, I also want to say that whenever I'm asked to speak, I am not a speaker. But I always remember to go in prayer, but I always remember what my granddaughter told me one day. She could tell I was preparing for a message, and she could tell that, you know, I just wasn't clicking on all eight cylinders, was a little bit apprehensive, a little nervous. She comes up, she puts her arm around me, she said, Papa, she said, you're going to be okay. You've been preaching to me all your life, and you've done a great job. So with that being said, I, uh, I, I know that we're a little bit more comfortable knowing that we have a hope. I love that song we sang, you know, because it's been a tiring year. I mean, come on, let's be real. We've had this pandemic, and we thought we were getting through it. Now we have another virus coming behind it. We had this storm just last week that came out of nowhere, and it affected this community because the gentleman who passed away and they had the service yesterday is from Tallahassee, a father and a son, and they are actually from the bank that I bank with. So it touched home. It, it touched home. Things that is going on in this world that are happening so quick. You know, in, even in some of our lives that we don't even talk about. You know, we don't share with one another some things that are happening. But I want you to know that God has been good through it all. And I am just happy to be here. 
And before I begin my message, I want to start with a, uh, if you story, a true story, one that those who like history might have read about, uh, because it happened on August the 25th of 1916. You see, there was an explorer, Shackleton. He was on a quest, a mission for the South Pole. Out of nowhere, while they were there, a bad storm arose. He was driven back, but was compelled to leave some of his men on Elephant Island. Before he left, he promised them that he would return. He endeavored for two years to rescue those. But that sea of ice prohibited him for two years, and the conditions were just not right. He must keep his word. Sooner or later, he was going, and this was their hope those that were stranded there, that he was going to come and rescue those who believed and had hope in him. You know, if we were to look at it in our human perception, those who were stranded would have given up. Because on that little island, in their perception, it was bad weather. It was ice that was breaching that vessel that could not accomplish the mission to reach their little island. But they continue. They continue to believe. They believed even in darkest hours. Alive, I had to ask myself, what kept them alive each day? What motivated those who were stranded on this little island to continue to believe Continue for them to prepare. Continue that they didn't lose hope. What kept them focused? What kept them alive each day while waiting for his return? In their world, it looked pretty bleak. It looked dark. But I advocate to you that it was the message he left with them of hope, of confidence, and a promise with three words. I will return. And the captain waited for the right time when his little boat, Yachu, would make through that great ice barrier to Elephant Island. Let us pray. Dear Lord, amazing God that you are, I pray that you hide me. I pray that your Holy Spirit dwells here and that the words spoken today will be from you. That they will touch someone, that they will awaken the mind and bring them closer in a relationship. And I give you all the glory.
Amen. The title today, it's the days and prayer I ask, what, what should I bring? And the title is, Christ is born to die. How do I tell a journey of Christ from the birth to the final destination in the two hours that I'm allotted up here? Thank you. I just wanted to see if you were listening. I will not keep you two hours, probably just an hour and a half or something. I want to start with a reserved, unattrusive, and an automobile man named Joseph, who was told by a young Mary, still in her teens, and eagerly waited. Virgin child. Joseph, being an audible man, and how do we know? Look with me in Matthew 1.18. Please pull out your weapons. They will not be up in the screen, but we will go to scriptures and quite a bit of scriptures because my words don't really mean that much. And it says in Matthew 1.18, after Mary was engaged, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Men, I want you to be real. Aged, waiting for the marriage, the woman of your love, your life. Before you have an type of relationship, a scandal breaks out. The bride comes and says, Honey, you're not going to believe this, but I'm with child. How would you act? Being engaged in the culture back then is the same as today was the first step of marriage, except in their time, they were already considered married. And Joseph had a choice after her and the story for Mary. And I believe at this moment Joseph was struggling. Or he even doubted Mary's story. I believe there's a conversation that took place that we're not privy to. And that brings me to Dr. Luke 1.39. In Luke 1.39 it says, Mary went in haste she was in a hurry to the hill country, Judah. You see, she went to see her Elizabeth, I believe her cousin, the mother of John the Baptist. I thought to myself, why was she in such a hurry? At further searching, it seems this was after the conversation with her future husband. But I want you to watch how Joseph reacted. It says, Joseph being a just man 
a righteous man, in Matthew 1, 19, not wanting to make her a public example, his intentions was to put away secret. Do you not think at this time that Joseph did not feel a sense of betrayal? Do you not think that Joseph was not hurt? He also had another choice, and this was to press charges against her. It's what you and I, when we don't understand something and we're hurt, we call it getting even. He also could have made it tough on her and her family. See, back then he could have went to the local religious leaders. And this would have publicly humiliated not only her, but her family. But also putting at risk of death to Mary of stoning. All these thoughts, all these emotions, I'm sure was going through Joseph's mind. Mary told him she was with child. While, as we saw in Luke, she made haste to Elizabeth's home. And while Joseph was processing and thinking of the news he had just received, undoubtedly having all the questions, undoubtedly with a broken heart, in Matthew 1.20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Joseph had a choice, just as you and I have a choice. He had a choice to believe in faith and become a father figure of Jesus. Joseph's choice was to believe in the message and marry her. See, in our Sabbath school lesson a couple weeks ago, we learned that Jesus is really just calling us with open arms. He's just asking us to have a relationship with him. And it's not by force. It's either to believe in faith, as Joseph did, and have a relationship with Christ. The key is to accept the circumstances that are put in our life and trust in faith or reject the message. Yes. Joseph, the adopted father, made a difference 
in Jesus' life. It hit home with me because there was a missionary doctor who decided, as Joseph did, to take six children from a castaway mother of society and make a difference in their life. I'm one of those six. Others told him how foolish he was to try to help a family of six with a single mother at his age. He had a choice. To listen to all the gifts of others or to believe in faith. Believing that he could make a difference in the lives of a family. I challenge you today to pray to have God send someone in your life that you can mentor, that you can encourage, that you can make a difference in their life for the kingdom of God. In Matthew 1, verse 21, And Joseph, she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. Somebody out there ought to be saying hallelujah. See, that was the beginning of the plan of redemption that's been in place since the beginning, but now the plan of redemption is in process of being fulfilled. Are you with me? Somebody say yes. Uh, thank you. We see the promise one in verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. All for us to have the faith and the trust when we are going through things that we just don't understand. You guys have been there. I've been there. Romans 8, 28. All things, and write this verse down. All things, not only pot or what you want to uh, digest or separate, but all things work together for those who love the Lord. Joseph not only loved the Lord, but he believed. I want to make the choice that Joseph did. See, the best decisions in your life, even though you don't fully understand them, everything that is going around, and by the way, most of them are out of your control, anyhow. That is to believe that God's word, to believe in God's word, and in his promise, in his faith, and follow Jesus. We often forget, while we focus on Joseph, that Mary also had a choice in challenges. We sometimes forget when we are going through things in our life, we forget that our circumstances also affects those around us. It's a ripple effect. We sometimes forget that Mary was still a teenager. We also forget sometimes that Mary was waiting, she was excited as any young woman would be, for her wedding day. She's a virgin. 
then something, this, something unnatural happens. She receives an announcement, a personal announcement from the angel Gabriel that she would become pregnant with the Son of God. I want you to watch her reaction even though she didn't quite understand what was happening. See, she doesn't argue or exclaim that this is impossible. In Luke 138, she says, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, let it be. And it was. See, in Isaiah 7.14, which was prophesied over 700 years earlier, therefore the Lord will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's in the Old Testament. 700 years before. Telling of the coming of the Messiah. Mary's been taught. She had godly parents. Go with me to Dr. Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 27. A virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin name was Mary... The city, the geology was told in the Old Testament. You, as we saw last week, was it last week or the week before? Uh, if you think you come from a messed up bloodline, check out Matthew 1, 1 to 17. We saw last week the bloodline of Christ. A line that came from a prostitute. Rahab. We saw last week a line that came from a Bathsheba. I am so happy. By the way, I enjoyed that message last week. I'm so happy a couple weeks ago that it's not my parents. It's not someone my friends. It's not the structure of this church. It's not any else's merits or even my merits oh that's tough to digest for some that you're accepted as a son of God it's by Christ's merits and his alone and that's another sermon I want you to picture this with me as we read Luke 1 verse 28 and 29 we're going to be in scriptures the angel said to her, Rejoice, you highly favor one. The Lord has blessed you among women. Verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what the matter of greeting was. What is this all about? What is going on? What's happening to me? I don't know if you can relate. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been scared? Have you ever been frightened? 
Have you looked around sometimes and said, I don't understand it. I just don't get it. You look around and you see how rough it is. I'm sure Mary not only was frightened, but she was also thinking of her future husband and what he was going to think. You and I worry about things that we can't control. And sometimes it's only through faith in God that it can be handled. See, in verse 30, then the angel Gabriel said to her, Mary, don't be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. I want you, as you going through these things in your life, I want you to apply it to your life and to, I apply it to my life. When things are happening that we can't control, when things are happening we just don't understand, I want you to remember something, that you have found favor in God's sight. The things that you are going through and the outlook may look frightening, but the Lord will never leave you. See, in our study in Deuteronomy, Moses is 120 years old. Joshua is about to become the new leader. He was to lead the people into the promised land with the same giants, with the same nations that was, was, had a stronghold that they, 40 years ago, were going to enter. In the human eye, it looked bleak. And knowing that the people would be uncertain, knowing that the people would be worried, Moses saying the same thing as we look at today's world that he said to them in Deuteronomy 31.6. Moses said, be strong. Be of good courage. Don't fear. No, be afraid of your circumstances or your future. For the Lord God, he is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Brothers and sisters, there's a pastor friend of mine. His favorite saying is, keep looking up. See, this is a promise you should write down. You should write this verse down and hold it dear. Because you are going to go through uncertainties in your life. You are going to go through things in your life you don't understand. And you've got to hold on to something. Hold on. Story goes on to the birth. Christ, prophecy, Micah 5.2. You, Bethlehem, little as you are among Judah, out of you will come a ruler of Israel. Joseph and Mary are journeying from their home in Nazareth. I want you to walk with me on this. They're going to the city of David, Jerusalem, to find rest in Bethlehem. They are unrecognized. They are not honored. They are weary. 
and they're seeking a resting place for the night. And they find shelter among the farm animals in a barn. I don't know about you, but I have a problem when I'm traveling, I can't find a Marriott. I want you to know, this is where the Redeemer of the world is born. The greatest moment in history, and I might advocate to you in world history, is going unnoticed. But it's not totally unnoticed. See, heaven is rejoicing. The humble servants are in a field. Picture this. They're in a field during the silent aisles, hours of the evening. They are watching. And they're talking of a promised Savior. What are they doing? They're having Wednesday night Bible study. They're having Sabbath school class. Are you having Wednesday night Bible school, Bible, uh, Bible study? Are you participating in Sabbath school? I advocate to you, both of them are more important than me or anyone up here on the pulpit. Are you preparing yet most of the world, most of the world knew it not? Brothers and sisters, this is a sad condition of our world today. It's the same condition back then as it will be for Jesus' second coming. If I'm stepping on your toes, I'm meaning to step on them. We're in a time that we need to get serious. But I want you to know something else. There will be a group rejoicing. That's the group I want to be in. See, I want to be with those shepherds. I want to be knowledgeable, preparing for Christ's return. I just don't want to give lip service. The angels appeared and announced Christ's birth. I'm bringing you through the journey. See, in Luke 2.10, Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The key word, all. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel had prepared those to recognize the Savior in poverty. He has prepared those to recognize the Savior in humiliation. He is trying to prepare us today for his second coming. Luke 2, 12. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. The joy couldn't be hidden any longer. The whole plains lit up with the bright shining of the host of God. See, at this moment, the earth was hushed. 
and heaven begin to sing. I love music more than I like a sermon. And I love listening to a good choir. I want you to imagine with me, if you will, thousands upon thousands of angels singing. Glory to God in the highest on earth, goodwill towards men. Christ was born that day to die for our salvation. Brothers and sisters, his death empowered without his death, with his death, it empowered Jesus to receive our sins. I am going to go and I will probably put too much emphasis on this, but I think it's something that we need to learn. Not only do we need to learn to forgive ourselves, but we also need others. See, forgiveness is an attitude of grace for those who have been wrong. It releases them from condemnation and treats them, mercy, with kindness despite what they have done. Are you with me? See, this is what Christ has done for us. It also, brothers and sisters, is an example what we must, and that word is key, what we must do for others. Forgiveness is a choice to forgive even when it's not deserved. I want you to just look back with me on Joseph, a young boy, sold in slavery at a young age. He's in captivity, thrown in by his own brothers. I believe after studying Joseph, his forgiveness didn't come until Genesis 45.2. A very short verse, by the way. He wept aloud. This is when his forgiveness and all that weight left him. See, love, love, that's Christ, love for us, equals forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32, forgive because we are forgiven, kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. His forgiveness is the basis for our forgiveness. Luke 23, 34, it says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Imagine Christ on the cross, nailed, thirsty, spit on, 
do you think they forgave they, they deserve forgiveness? Do you and I deserve forgiveness? See, it's by His grace and it's by His mercy that He loves us so much that He forgives us. When I look at Calvary, I've heard many accolades on it. But all I see is a Savior that just reaps of forgiveness. See, without forgiveness, there is no salvation. Without salvation, there is no Savior. Christ's death at Calvary was that we might have salvation, that we might have forgiveness, compassion, grace. All this was at the cross. Forgiveness triumphs over fear. Don't miss that. Love triumphs over hate. Reconciliation triumphs over resentment. His, this is, I, I love this, His grace will defeat guilt. Are you with me on that? It's at the foot of the cross the sinner looked up at the one who died to save him. Rejoicing that our sins are forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, it doesn't get any, one of my favorite verses, because it just says it. It doesn't go into a two-page uh, explaining it. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. See, Jesus knows us personally he knows every circumstances in our life. But you say, well, my goodness, look at what I've done. I'm a sinner. I'm so sinful. How could he forgive some of them things in my life? You're right. You may be a sinner. Matter of fact, you are a sinner. So am I. And the, that's why we need Jesus. It says in Luke 5.32, I did not come from those who are righteous, but those who are sinners. And it's not our righteousness. You've got to, get a, got to get a hold of that. You know, you can't be any better, any, uh, the words I'm looking for, for, to have Him love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to have Him love you any more than he already does. I love this because it takes a lot of weight off me and it should relieve you from the burdens of the walk with Christ because it's not our righteousness. In our own righteousness is nothing. It's Christ who clothes us with his righteousness. Deuteronomy 9.5. By the way, I love this, uh, the study we just had of uh, 
in Sabbath school of Deuteronomy. If you did not keep up with it, you missed out. But Deuteronomy 9.5, it's not because of your righteousness. It's because of his promise to you. We have a faithful God. Excuse me. We're saved by grace, Ephesians 2.8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself. It's by grace. It's a gift of God. Brothers and sisters, if you are trying to reach heaven, and don't throw any rocks at me, and if you're trying to do it on your own by keeping the law, having a checklist, I'm telling you, you are attempting the impossibility. We cannot save ourselves with obedience. The best effort that man makes in his own efforts, that's the key, his own efforts, are valueless. Christ at the cross satisfied the demands of the law. Don't miss this. Genuine faith and the righteousness of Christ leads the sinner, us, to be overcomers with Christ. Did you understand that? I want you to know when you draw near to God with confession, when you draw near to God in repentance, Jesus draws near to you. And this is so powerful but so simplistic. He draws near to you with mercy. He draws near to you with forgiveness. When we come to Jesus with a humble heart, you might not feel this miraculous touch, but I assure you, He's there in love and tenderness because I believe in His promises. In John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that you may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, who you have sent. You know, this is the time of year we're celebrating his birth, are we not? We're celebrating a birthday. What do you do when you're celebrating a family's birthday? Don't you gather together? Don't you have a cake don't you give some cards? Don't you give some gifts? Don't you spend time? My question is, are you spending time with God? Are you really celebrating the birth? Are you really wanting to know Him personally? not just as an acquaintance or when it fits into your schedule. Are you taking the time daily, moment by moment, to know the true God? You taking the time to know the true God. Not letting someone else tell you about the true God. Is your relationship these are questions that you need to ask yourself. Is your relationship with Christ as important as your day job? 
is your relationship as important as your education? Is your relationship as important as your title? And yes, is your relationship as important as your family when you celebrate their birthday? See, we started with Mary, then in faith, in the faith of Joseph. We saw a baby Jesus grow up, who know no wrong, you're on this journey with me, gave his life at Calvary, that he may forgive, so we can also forgive others. The cross, Calvary, the song of eternity, never to be forgotten. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the day when we'll sing, Worthy, worthy is the Lamb of God that was slain, that redeemed us to God by His own precious love. But brothers and sisters, i got to ask you something. This is where most people end the story. This is just the beginning. Aren't you happy that it's not the end of the story? See, the darkest hour just before daybreak has come. Christ was laying in the tomb. The Roman seal was unbroken. The Roman gods were all around, make sure no hanky-panky went on. Vision this scene with me. This crucial hour. There's a host of evil angels hanging out. They're looking on also. They're looking on with the heavenly host. And that night of the first day went on slowly. Christ is still a prisoner in that narrow tomb. That great stone is still in place. The Roman seal unbroken while the Roman gods continue to watch. Then on the third day, a great earthquake. The angels of the Lord, Lord descends from the heaven. Picture it with me. They're coming from the east, the north, the west, the south. And I can just see the fallen angels scattering. And as the angels of heaven rolled away that stone, Jesus comes forth and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Somebody ought to be saying hallelujah. Just at Jesus' death, there was a darkness at midday. At his resurrection, the soldiers saw the brightness of the angels illuminated in the sky. And they heard the angels coming together and singing with a great joy and triumph. Jesus, Jesus has risen. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where's your sting? O grave, where's your victory? When Jesus has completed what he has come to earth to accomplish in Romans 8, 34, 
he ascended back to heaven. The continuation of the story. He's sitting at the right hand of God, the Father. He left us a promise in John 14, 3. This is a promise I hold on to. He says, I will come back. I will take you with me that you may be where I am also. With these words, the promise of all things are made new. In Revelation, John is talking in Revelation 21, 4 to 6. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Verse 5. Then he who sits on the throne, Jesus, behold, I have made all things new. And he said to me, John, write these words, because they are true and faithful. Revelation 21, 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to those who are thirsty. The journey of Christ born to die does not end there. He rose and he sits at the right hand of God and he's waiting to take us home. The question is, do you thirst for that water that is freely given? Are you looking forward to that day when Christ is coming? It's not waiting for tomorrow or the next day. It's today. Are you wanting that relationship with Christ? If so, are you making the effort? Are you putting forth the time? The men of the explorer, going back to the original story of Shackleton, believed. Shackleton, true story by the way, would not be discouraged. His focus was to finish his mission. He must reach his men at the risk of losing his boat and his life. And he pushed nearer to the island. Unexpectedly, there came an opening in the ice. He hurried in. He rescued those waiting men. He rescued them in one hour. And they were all back on board and they headed back out beyond danger. The captain, after all the nervousness has passed, the danger was gone, he brought him up to the main deck. He said, you were packed. You were ready, weren't you? And their spokesman looked at him and said, we never lost hope. 
we believed. We knew you would come back for us. Even if the circumstances were unfavorable in our perception. See, you had promise, and we expect you, expected you to fulfill your promise. Now watch this. So each morning we rolled up two years. Each morning we rolled up our sleeping bags, packed our equipment that we might be ready. Our scripture reading that Maddie so eloquently read this morning, and thank you again. It says in Matthew 24, 42, Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. They also did not know what day Shackleton would return. They only knew he would return. And they were ready. We should also be preparing what soon is to break out, brothers and sisters. I've noticed the things, and I'm not going to go into that in the last five years. That should be shaking us. And it's going to come as an overwhelming surprise, just as it was in the days of Noah. See, the message has been given. And Jesus gave his message. And the question is, are you ready? Are you focused? Are you focused on the mission? Are you preparing each day? Are you studying God's Word? Are you looking up? Because I am telling you, Jesus will keep His promise. He is coming back. And I think it's going to be shorter than longer. And this is what's so wonderful about this. See, Jesus wants to find you and me ready. I ask if that is your desire. I just want to take, sometimes we pray, we pray out loud, we pray for one another. I just want us to take about 15 seconds. If that's your desire. And does you bow your heads and this pray that the Lord will prepare you for his coming. Let us bow our heads. Lord, you've heard the prayers that have risen up on Jacob's ladder. You've heard the prayers of the saints that have gathered here together and those online. Lord, not only prepare us, prepare our loved ones for that great banquet as we gather together.
We praise you, Lord, for the mighty God you are. Amen.